What's up, football fans? Welcome in to another edition of the RK Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my best friend, Casey. How are you doing tonight, man? Doing good, man. Chilling. Got out of work. It's really hot today, but sitting in, in an air-conditioned room, enjoying it. So can't say that I've got any complaints. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Um, you're telling me about the hot stuff. I was in the middle of it today. So... Long day, 10-hour day in the heat. Luckily, the barns had fans, so took the edge off a little bit, but still, it's just that hot air blowing on you, and you have all the heat of the cows and the pits and all that, but well, in case doesn't know, I work in the dairy <laughs> industry, so. Yeah, I work but, in an uh, office, so I don't have to deal with all that, so. Yeah, you lucky guy. So, but no, <laughs> the shower the shower was definitely extra good when I got home, and now I'm trying to, it would be a beer, but I'm trying to rehydrate with water. So, well, can't say I'm doing the same. Yep. But anyways, with that being said, we do got a jam-packed show tonight. We are going to be talking about the AFC East in a division breakdown. But before we get started, we are going to kind of cover some news and notes, some exciting things going down just before camp gets starts. Um, but before we get into that, you did have a Dynasty startup draft this past Sunday. Uh, you want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, we'll kind of just do it briefly, and we'll talk about it more at length another time. But yeah, we mm-hmm. did a. I had, I've been playing fantasy football for a long time, and I've never commissioned my own league. So it was a dynasty startup that we did this past Sunday. The group of twelve guys, you were one of them. Um, it was super fun. It was all online. We couldn't really get a draft party together just due to the COVID situation more than anything. But it was still super fun. I think we made the most of it. Got it done quick. There's already been a ridiculous amount of trades and everything popped off. So. Um, so far, I'd say it's off to a good start. Yeah, I definitely agree. I agree. I agree. But um, let's jump into the news and notes. Um, I mean, we can talk about our teams at different times, like you said, because once I start talking about my team, it, this podcast mm-hmm. could be about a two-hour podcast. So. <laughs> We're going to be on a roll. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yes. But, um, yeah, news and notes. Uh, we had a couple players uh, opt out of the season with COVID, or not with COVID, but the scare of COVID, and they're opting to stay at home and be safe with their families. And, you know, that's their choice. That's fine. One of them being running back for Kansas City, uh, Damian Williams. Casey, you want to take this one? Yeah, I think he announced today that his mom just got diagnosed with like stage four cancer of some kind. And so he's got like some really obvious reasons why he's going to need to be extra careful. So, um, yeah, so it's it's always a bummer to see someone, you know, hey, opt out. You kind of were looking forward to seeing him play. And, you know, some he got drafted in our dynasty startup. So obviously someone was planning on using him. But um, I actually made a trade for him. In your oh, league, did you? like, yeah, I think I offered like a third round pick for him, or I was just trying to buy him for the first half of the season. Yeah, yeah. Well, he went I the 12th think round. That, yeah, he was. He's usually got pretty pretty good value in most drafts, or he's had it up until this point. But um, I think the long term, or the short and long term ramifications are that Clyde edwards helaire he's the locked-in starter. They still have – was it Dwayne Washington that they signed from the Raiders? Raiders. Uh, they still have uh, – uh, uh, Darwin, Darwin Thompson? Thompson? Yeah, Darwin Thompson. I was forgetting his name for a second. Yep. Darwin Thompson that they drafted last year. So there'll be some sort of committee that fills in that Damian Williams role. But at the end of the day, I think that this is just going to fast-track Clyde Edward-Tillaire's uh, 
it's going to fast track him into the starting lineup into a high volume uh, role. So I think that there's Absolutely. a realistic chance he's seen close to 20 touches per game now every game where that was not necessarily the case until Damian Williams opted out. Yeah, I mean, I am the Clyde edwards Zillero owner in my dynasty league. He's actually my fourth running back if I want to toot my own horn a little bit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but for the most part, I don't. I, I don't see him having the whole backfield to himself, even with these other guys in the backfield. I think they're going to bring someone in, uh, like a veteran running back. Um, who just got signed today? Uh, Michelle McCoy got signed to Tampa Bay. But I was expecting maybe now Devontae Freeman come in. Clyde Edwards-Alaire isn't really up to par on pass protection. That was kind of one of his knocks coming into college, and or not coming into college, coming into the NFL draft. So those things kind of scare me a little bit with the limited offseason. So bringing someone in like Devonta Freeman, who can do some pass protection, uh, he can be in on some passing down too. I mean, he did catch 55, 60 passes last year, and he was hurt. I mean, I think a lot of his, a lot of his production had to do with him being injured. And sorry, I had my kids knocking on my door. Mm-hmm. Um, Anyways, uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm looking to see either a veteran running back, not necessarily Devonta Freeman, maybe someone like Lamar Miller. Maybe they trade for a lower end running back, but I, I think his, I think his role is going to stay the same from what it was two, three days ago. You know, third round, probably safe for redraft. I mean, but he went pretty early in your dynasty draft. I mean, I think that's about the right spot for him. But overall, though, I think his role kind of stays the same. Yeah, there's a chance that they could bring in a, another veteran. There's a couple other guys that are sitting out there. Freeman's the big name. But I thought that well, Sean McCoy could have maybe gone back to Kansas City. I thought he would actually end up in Philly. But I think this probably worked out in terms of playing time, probably best for him um, with McCoy going to Tampa. I do think that they've got a, a couple other running backs there in Ronald Jones and I'm probably going to butcher is it Dari Ogunwale? Yeah, he was a receiving down back. He was like yeah. third down back last it year. Wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me to see him still play more than McCoy does at this point. McCoy, he's not a veteran guy to have in a year where things are weird and you need to rely on a guy that has been there, done that, I guess. But I'm not really expecting McCoy to have big fantasy like it's it's not going to really change for him too much i don't think he's going to have a, a pretty small role he'll be someone that some people are initially going to pick him up because the idea of him being a starter with tom brady all that stuff sounds appealing but by the time we get to the end of the camp i think that there's a chance he may not even make the team so we'll see how that goes yep and then with the last bit of news devin funch has also opted out for the 2020 season did he have yeah. any specific reason, or is it just uh, – you kind of hit me uh, with the Damian Williams one. I don't know about the cancer deal and all that good stuff. So, I'm not sure um, if Bunch has had, like, a more serious reason to opt out. I think that um, it could have just been that he had some concerns, which is legitimate. That's fine. Yeah. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the players that are opting out have, like, a kid on the way or, or they have a small child already or – yeah, they're around their parents a lot. That might be elderly, so it makes sense. Yeah, I think that just I for was the just record, saying, I did say for everybody to avoid them. Yeah, I was just saying. <laughs> I was just saying like how we were talking about the NFC North the other day, and I was 
mentioning how I thought Funches would maybe end up with that number two receiver job. It's like, well, there's my first mistake of the year already. <laughs> Slam dunk going to be wrong on that one. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's going to have a little bit of family fantasy implications, but there's some other receivers there with Lazard, St. Brown, Valdez, Scantling that, you know, it, it, it just takes one of those guys out of the equation. It's still going to be a committee at number two for the Packers wide receiver job. Yep. Okay. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up with our news and notes. Let's go ahead and jump into our divisions and we're going to start from bottom to the top, right? Yeah, we'll do it the same way we've been doing it. So since the dolphins finished last in the division, we're going to start with them. We'll move on to the jets, the bills, and then we'll finish with the Patriots. Sweet deal. So I'm going to actually let you lead off with the divisions. I'm going to hit you with the question. I kind of liked how we were rolling with that last week. Yep. I think we should do that that way from now on, honestly, with the rest of these division things is starting with a question. So please go ahead. All right. So with all the excitement in the quarterback situation with the Miami Dolphins, we can consistently hear about Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tunga Viola, which quarterback is going to be the starter. I think we just recently heard that it's going to be a quarterback competition to start. Where does Josh Rosen stand in all of this? Oh, I didn't, I did not expect you to, to take a Josh Rosen turn with all that. So I, I like that. Tanner, if you're listening, this is your, uh, you requested a long time ago, a player profile on Josh Rosen. So I'm just going to go ahead and insert it right here. I think we uh, did do it. I think we did do one on Josh Rosen. Did we? Maybe. I think so. I, I, I'm going to have to go back and look, but no, go ahead and let's, let's redo well, this. Well, regardless, Be, uh, okay, I'll do I'll do a quick one. Yeah. Okay. So I think that. No, Josh don't Rosen need to be quick. Is, go ahead. Okay. So as the number three quarterback on any NFL team, you don't usually get enough reps for it to be meaningful. It's hard to develop when you're sitting there at the bottom of the quarterback depth chart. When you're an undrafted rookie or you're a late draft pick, you'll take whatever you can get, but being the scout team quarterback just doesn't, it doesn't move the needle in your development very much. I would think that he's got some kind of trade value somewhere. And I'm thinking that he's going to end up getting flipped maybe towards the end of camp. But with the whole weirdness of this COVID situation, I, he, there's a chance that he probably won't. Your teams are going to probably hoard quarterbacks and hope that they don't get stuck with someone missing a couple of games because of testing positive or whatever it might be. But, I still think he's got some long-term value, but it happens to a lot of guys that are drafted high, even if it's not first round, if it's second round, that they end up on the bottom of a roster somewhere and there's hope that maybe they'll figure it out. And then as another year or two goes by, they inevitably wash out really quick. I hope that the XFL gets bought in bankruptcy court here in the next few days and they restart it and somehow Josh Rosen gets to go play in there because – I don't think a team is going to take Josh Rosen serious until he actually plays on the field and he's not going to get that chance in Miami. Maybe they, maybe he gets lucky and gets traded, but I still believe in him. He's got the talent and I'm not worried about his attitude. Some people talked about that. I'm not worried about that at all. Yeah. I think just from a dynasty and fantasy standpoint, I think he's just, I think his ultimate end game or to be, some useful playing time anywhere he's obviously be traded and I think wherever he goes is going to be brought in as uh, brought in as a quarterback in competition excuse me I cannot talk tonight brought in for competition 
and just kind of for that rebuilding team, maybe you see Jacksonville, maybe they bring him in with, you know, whatever rookie quarterback they draft. I mean, I'm, I'm not really completely bought in on Gardner Minshew quite yet. I mean, he did, have some nice, he did have some nice numbers last year. Don't get me wrong. And the rushing touchdowns can definitely go up. I mean, there's, there's positive regression to be seen there. But for the most part, I think Jacksonville is in the case for either Trevor Lawrence or inner or whatever your favorite college quarterback is at this moment. Well, we'll get to the Jaguars. Yeah, go over the yeah definitely. South. But, I'm but at the end of the day, I think Rosen's going to need a change of scenery. He's not going to do it with the Dolphins. And, you know, any any guy that doesn't really pay attention to football until two weeks before draft, you know, you just see the Miami Dolphins and just think, oh, you know, they're just they're just another crappy team. So I think a best case scenario for something for someone like Rosen and we need to get to talking about the rest of the yeah. Rosen really is not that fantasy relevant right now. But he I did start I did start it with a question, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's still good. it's still fine. It's still fine, yeah. But I think best case scenario for him, he gets traded to a team like yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna use like the Rams, okay, because he went to UCLA. I imagine being back on the West Coast, probably he would prefer that. The Rams' backup quarterback is John Wolford, who was playing in the Alliance of American Football a couple years ago. Uh, the guy they have behind that is an undrafted rookie quarterback, Bryce Perkins from uh, University of Virginia. So they don't really have a locked-in, stable, even number two quarterback. Josh Rosen probably would immediately come in, and he's going to get some reps with the twos, whereas with the threes, you don't really get them. You're obviously going to get way more with the ones, but he's an injury away from potentially being a starting quarterback versus – rotting at the bottom of Miami's roster yeah. it just depends on if anyone's going to pony up and give up a player or a draft pick for him yeah. so that's kind of what he should hope and get around a, like a coach like Sean McVay that can coach him up and okay. maybe eventually turn him into a guy that can go compete for a starting job at some point but uh, right now it's not looking good for Josh Rosen's long-term value and dynasty I, I'd probably still stash him if I had the spot on my taxi squad or something but I could it's, it's not it's not looking good yeah, I cut him. That this is between two and Fitz for redraft this year, and ultimately, I'm not really dr- trusting either. Or two is just still a little too fresh. He's coming off that hip injury. I mean, you could still see him get redshirted for the first year. I uh, know he I, he did get physically cleared to play, right? He passed his physical and everything, right? He can clear for football contact. Yeah, according to Brian Flores, the head coach, he just not. Tua has been fully cleared and will compete for the quarterback job. I get the sense that they are still gonna probably slow play him just because. I think so. He's clear. He's clearly the franchise quarterback, right? Like, you yeah, dude, he's a left-handed Russell Wilson. I would say that's pretty. So, you know, actually, like I can't remember what scout it was was comparing him to Drew Brees. Actually, in terms of his downfield accuracy, that's a pretty high compliment. But um, I think that he's. Like coming off that hip injury, as the I'm on the owner. Like take away even the GM and the head coach. If I'm the owner and I just invested all this into a my this guy that's clearly my franchise quarterback, I am not going to jeopardize his long term health because I want him to be the starter in week one. Like I'm gonna probably. I'm going to probably put him out there slower than what, like when, than what the doctors are even saying. The Rams did this with Todd Gurley a few years ago, and it worked for a little while at least, and we'll see how Gurley does later this season. But um, like he got cleared and was ready to play, and they didn't play him like the first month of the year just because they wanted to make sure that 
his knee coming off of that major knee injury was going to be good to go. And I get the sense that the Dolphins are going to do something similar with to his hip injury. But I don't think that they're going to really push it any further than about halfway through the season. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of the most capable bridge quarterbacks. He's got some high-end upside, actually. But he has, like, some really bad games where he just turns the ball over way too much. So if they're 4-4 four and four at the midseason point, they're probably still rolling with Fitzpatrick. They're going to not rush Tua into the starting lineup. But if they're not playing well across the board on offense, then Fitzpatrick's going to get plugged probably around midseason. But I think that there is a very realistic scenario that Fitzpatrick basically plays almost the entire year unless there's an injury or this COVID thing affects the situation. That's actually but, what I got written down for Fitzpatrick is, you know, in if you play in any like super flex leagues or anything like that, you know, yeah, he, he offers that super flex appeal as long as as long as he's starting quarterback, man, he he just don't care. He just throws it at. So go ahead with what you were saying. Sorry to cut you off. No, I mean, I was pretty much wrapped up with the QBs there. I think that Ryan yeah. Fitzpatrick is like, He's a gunslinger. He's got like even some fantasy upside week to week, especially like if you play two QBs or super flex. So I've got him as my third QB in your dynasty league. Now he's got the time's running out for him. He's not some, he's a depreciating asset. He's he's still at 37. Yeah. And he's not going to have that starting job for much longer. So you got to kind of probably just ride the wave unless someone decides to overpay you for him. Yeah. So you got to know that if, if he, if even if he gets benched after a month, it's like, Hey, he he's being replaced by a very high end quarterback prospect. That was just the number five overall pick. So, yeah. I think as long as he's involved though, the weapons with Preston Williams, Devonte Parker, even Mike Gusecki, I think these guys are going to hold really, really, really sleeper fantasy upside. I wouldn't say sleeper with Devontae Parker. He broke out as the wide receiver eight last year. It, it took him four years to do it. It seemed like every year we were just waiting like, oh, this is the breakout year. You know, Ryan Tannehill, Devontae Parker, this is it, guys. And I I know I referenced this a lot, but he, we got Adam Gased. We've been Adam Gased for this is the first <sighs> this is the first year without Adam Gased this past year, right? And look, look what Parker did. You know, he broke out. Tannehill bounced out. You know, Tannehill had a good year. This Dolphins team is turned around, and it's not the it's not the Dolphins team that you guys typically think. You know, if you're the average fan, you know the average fantasy fan. You know, you really don't open a magazine. And, man, if you open a magazine, please don't. But if you mm. don't prepare for your drafts like two weeks prior or anything like that, you're going to think of the Dolphins and just think I'm not drafting anybody. Please don't do that. This is where the value of your drafts are. Like Preston Williams went, what, late 10th round in your draft? Dude played 80% of the snaps last year before he got hurt. Devontae Parker didn't take off till Preston Williams got hurt. But with Fitzpatrick at quarterback, I think he can support them both. The Dolphins upgraded their offensive line. Their defense is a little bit better. I think they're going to be playing on uh, – they're going to have more uh, time on offense if the defense plays up to par. The second Tua takes over at quarterback, I'm pulling the plug on everything. It's very similar to what happened with Dwayne Haskins last year. It's not that uh, Tua is a bad quarterback by any means. You know, we just pretty much talked about talked about him for a few good few minutes. But I think the upside of Parker and Williams is limited when Tua steps in. But you can see Gasecki kind of stay the same. Tua, 
I don't know. I didn't check the snaps and see how often Tua threw to his tight end in college, but typically that's just kind of your rookie quarterback's best friend is your tight end, you know, hitting your running backs out of the backfield. And that's, I'm going to kind of use that to segue into Matt Breida. Uh, he's kind of that more of that explosive running back. Dude, he's so electric and he's bulletproof, man. It's, it's like he always leaves the game and then he comes back after two quarters, but he's still fantasy relevant. I mean, he's, it's like on a Thursday, man, is he going to play? Is he going to play? Yeah, he got injured, missed two quarters, but he finished the game. You still don't know if he's going to play. And sure enough, the dude suits up. I don't even know what to think with the guy, but I bet you – I know I know Jordan Howard's there, and that is scary. Still getting 12 touches with the Miami offense. Like I said, this offense is really, really, really undervalued. And this may not be the year where they blow up. I'm kind of banking on that more for 2021. But this is the year where you can think like, hey, you know, there is some value here. All of these guys are going late. Matt Breida is one of my favorite zero RB draft or, uh, running backs to draft. He can, Even if he gets his 12 touches a game with Jordan Howard there, the dude is so electric and explosive. He's so fast. He can just take off for 30, 30 40 yards at a time. Not 30, 40 yards at a time, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, he can just blow up. Jordan Howard, I think he's going to kind of more play that short yardage, maybe that goal line role. Hey, you know, go get us that first down big guy. Hey, thanks, dude. All right, let's go change the pace. Let's get Breida in there. But I kind of like Breida more if Tua takes over. But with Fitzpatrick in quarterback, I think this offense is still going to be trying to play catch up. The de- I did say the defense is a little bit better, but that's that's past D. We'll see where we're at on the run D. Casey, what do you think of the running back situation? I think that they are going to have a – pretty even split in terms of we're going to get to the end of the year assuming that they played the same amount of snaps roughly like if no one gets hurt like yeah you're going to look at the the splits and it's going to be like 52 percent jordan howard 46 percent mabrita and you know like two three percent someone else it's going to be a pretty even split and i do think jordan howard's going to get a lot of the goal line red zone short yardage situations mm-hmm. i think matt Breida is one of the more efficient running backs in the league so there's value to be had but he's got some concern about he's probably not going to have a lot of weeks where he gets a high volume role he might have one or two weeks where he gets like 20 touches but that's going to be pretty hard to predict and it's probably just going to be purely based on game flow he's having a nice game just keep giving him the ball yeah i i think that the receivers have some like volatility I'm not sure – like, I like Devontae Parker. I, they, they signed him to an extension, so it tells you that they've got long-term plans for him. Preston Williams was probably a first- or second-round pick um, had he not had some character issues coming out of the draft, which is why he was a college free agent. But he clearly played really well last year. I still I, – I think, I think I like Albert Wilson in real life more than I like him in fantasy. Even Jakeem Grant, he's super fun to play with Madden. Um, I'm not as high on Mike Isicki as you are. Um, they just traded for Adam Shaheen even the other day, and I think that – I'm not going to say like that speaks volumes. They gave up like a seventh runner to get him. But I just get the sense that Gasicki is not locked into that role just yet. I think that they might – you know, the fact that they have a new offensive coordinator in Chan Gailey, who's run a lot of spread pistol kind of stuff, which was like 
when he was doing it in the mid 2000s when he was the head coach of the Bills and I think he was the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs maybe one year or a couple of years like it was kind of weird to see like a like a lot of the spread pistol stuff now I feel like it's like the norm it's what everyone's going towards so I'm really very very fascinated to see what kind of offense the Dolphins are going to present I have a feeling it's going to look good but there are some question marks and and even on the offensive line yeah they signed Eric Flowers, but he's not exactly like some guy that is known for being like great. He's been more of a bust than anything. Julian Davenport, they got in that trade last year with uh, Laramie Tunzel. And they've got a couple other guys that like, you know, maybe they drafted Robert Hunt in the second round to play guard. They got Austin Jackson to play tackle at some point. They've got some guys that could eventually be okay. I do think the Dolphins have progressed quite a bit, but I'm still – I think – I mean, the only guy that I'm really seriously interested in is probably Tua from a dynasty perspective, and I do think that yep. Ryan Fitzpatrick is undervalued. I love Tua. But everyone, but everyone else is just kind of – a lot of volatility to their value of just – it could really go one way or it could go the other. And I think depending on where you got to take some of these guys, it's a little too early for me. I think yep. Matt Breed is a good value. Yeah, Brina and Jordan Howard, they're both kind of getting drafted around apart. But to me, I think the running back to own is Brita just because of his explosiveness. Jordan Howard, he's he's got stones for hands. I mean, I know Jack, Jacksonville. Chicago tried working with him, and as much as they tried to make him a pass catcher, he just wasn't. Uh, that just limits him in PPR leagues. He's got a, lot more, a little bit more value in standard and half PPR, but even in half PPR, I'm still taking Matt Brita over Jordan Howard. Yeah, I'm probably probably doing the same. Yep. You want to move on to the Jets? Yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the Jets, and I'll start with a question for you. Um, all right, um, I'm going to give you an over-under okay. for Jameson Crowder. Oh, man, I hate him. <laughs> I don't hate him. He's just annoying. I'm ready. Over under on Jamison Crowder's catches is 80. What do you what do you think? I think he's going to hit that on the dot. He's like an extremely poor man Jarvis Landry. He gets all these receptions, but they're just short yardage, dump off just <clears throat> even in garbage time it's just like, "Oh, Jamison Crowder another catch." Oh, 7 yards. Seven yards. Jamison Crowder again. Hey, this time he got three yards. You see, typically see him get this 14 for 77. And I think with Denzel Mims still learning the offense, you got Brashard Perriman who's coming in. He's still got to learn the offense. And, again, I've preached this uh, as we've done these breakdowns. Until I see any any reports in camp, I'm just going to keep using this as an op-out. And they don't know the offense yet, and they limited everything with the COVID situation. It's I'm just not buying into these first, any any player on, that's a first-year member on any team. The guy I would be looking to that might hinder J- Jamison Crowder a bit is Chris Herndon. I really like Chris Herndon. I took him late, and I think I took him in the 15th round of your Dynasty League, but... If there's anybody that's going to hurt Crowder getting the 80 catches, it's going to be Chris Herndon. But I will buy the 80 receptions for Crowder. So you're going to say, like, over? Uh, Can I just say even? 
Uh, okay, Ethan. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Oh, man. And it's not going to be a pretty 80 receptions either. It's He's going to be someone on your bench, and you're going to be like, look, I started a guy that got 10 catches for a whopping 62 yards. I mean, it's, yeah, he's, he's just really of... low volume. And poor man's Jarvis Landry is the best comp I can give the guy. I think that it's just clear that he's not a high upside guy week to week. Yeah. Like, if you just need some points in your flex spot because you're just desperate because of bye weeks or injuries or something, Jameson Crowder especially can definitely a, fill that role. Especially in a full-point PPR. he's That's where you bang for your buck and with Jameson Crowder as full-point. Well, that's where I was just going to go with is if it's a PPR league, Jameson Crowder is probably a wide receiver three just about every week that you just probably can't expect much more than that. Now, even him being a wide receiver three, it's not like a high upside wide receiver three. He's going to pretty much – he's consistent. I'll give him that. Like, But I just don't know – and it's not necessarily an indictment on him. It's really just the entire situation. I just think that – there's question marks on the offensive line. Yeah, the head coach is probably the biggest problem there. They've got Le'Veon Bell, and he's been a good running back, but he's kind of hit that benchmark for running backs that usually they start to decline. And then they've got Brashad Perriman, who's another starter. Denzel Mims, maybe. He's a you know rookie. I think that he's got some long-term upside, but probably not going to really do it this year. So like I don't know like you look kind of look across the board and I, I and I'm looking at a very average to below average NFL team like I don't see a lot of high upside guys of man this guy's super talented like maybe like Mackay Beckton who they took with their first round pick this year and you can make a pretty good case for Sam Darnold like he's got talent but I mean he's going into his third year in the league and he's you know. I got some struggles, so we need to see it from him still. Seeing ghosts. You know, I do think that Le'Veon Bell, he's going to probably still play a big role in the passing game. So in PPR leagues, he's going to have some value. In dynasty leagues, he's he's hit that that benchmark for running backs where you probably should have got rid of him by now. If you the cheap to be a, you know, Second running back, maybe like that might work out, but um, generally speaking, like I'm probably avoiding Le'Veon Bell. <clears throat> yeah, me too. Le'Veon Bell's not exactly on my. He's not. He's not a back that I'm avoiding drafting. It's just the price that I have to draft him at is what I'm avoiding. I think every player is draftable. It's just where you typically have to pay to get them. It's like it, my when I talk about Nick. This is just a quick example. It's like when I talk about Nick Chubb. I don't I don't dislike him as a fantasy player. I just dislike having to take him with a first round pick, especially in the PPR league. That's typically what we're talking about with Le'Veon Bell. You know, you almost have to draft him as your second running back. And I'm not gonna lie, that's not the sexiest thing in the world. I, in a perfect world, we would probably like Le'Veon Bell as a running back three, especially with the Jets, their O line. You mentioned their O line troubles. I mean. Again, another reference I always use is Adam Gase, and really, I don't. I typically don't like buying fantasy players with bad head coaching. Just don't do it. I mean, look, look what the Dolphin. What happened with the Dolphins? I mean, I'm going to reference this all day long. Tannehill, <laughs> Devontae Parker. I mean, we can go on all day. I mean, these guys finally flourished once Gase left. That's what's going to be. That's what's going to happen with the Jets' offense. So, if you're in a dynasty league and you're in any kind of rebuild. 
you know, maybe Darnold and Denzel Mims is a, someone you go by. But you're going to have to wait this one out. This this is not the year any of these guys really pan out. Maybe Sam Darnold. I always talk in super flex leagues. I like to stream that super flex position. And maybe he's that guy you stream with. But he does play the Bills twice who have a really good secondary. I talked about the Dolphins secondary, who how they're up and coming. They just signed uh, – who's the corner they signed from Dallas? Casey? Um, I'm sorry, you said which team signed a corner from Dallas? Which team signed the corner from uh, Dallas? The Dolphins did. Uh, who was it? Oh, Byron Jones. I'm sorry. Byron I'm Jones. Sorry. There totally, you go. Totally, I was totally blanking. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Yeah, no, they signed Byron Jones, and they already have Xavier Howard over there. I mean, and they used the first-round pick to draft a corner. I mean, the Dolphins' cornerback situation is really, really good. So he's got two dates with that, and then he has two dates with the Patriots. I don't think this is a year for Darnold. I mean, you can say you're going to stream him, but with six dates lined up with that, uh, I'm not I'm not buying it. And typically that's going to hinder your running game. But I think if Le'Veon Bell were to miss time, which which he has in the past, I think Lamical P. Ryan is a guy that could kind of carry maybe the same amount of value if he were to get the same amount of touches. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, any running back that's getting the ball in this backfield is going to be low, you know, high, high touch High touch is low volume. You know, you're going to see your 20 for 60 and maybe three catches for 20 yards and probably call it a day. But Lamical P. Ryan, just real quick, um, Garrett Price, he's on Dynasty Nerds. He kind of referenced this guy as he can do everything, but it's just it's not good. It's just C minus on everything. And I mean, I, I, I think no matter what kind of talent you have, you're going to be bad on the Jets. But with that kind of what's the word I'm looking for but that kind of profile coming in you know you can kind of do everything typically being in running back in the NFL you don't have to be really good you just have to be in a good like in a good uh system good you know like if like the Chiefs running back Clyde Edwards Alaire he's the immediate running back one just playing for the Chiefs I think with Lamical Piron he can, what I'm trying to say is he can have some some flex value if he comes in and plays the Le'Veon Bell if he were to be injured um, he's just kind of more of that dynasty asset guy, and you'll most likely find him in free agency and redraft leagues. You probably won't be picking him up until you see Le'Veon Bell tear his ACL or something crazy. He might get suspended. Or we'll just leave him on free agency because Le'Veon Bell plays the full season. But I thought Lemo Kopirai was a little interesting. He should be uh, mentioned in this podcast. Um, but I do want to kind of jump down to – did you get – yeah, you did talk Bell and all them. Uh, Frank Gore, too. He's another guy who's there and – uh, I think he's just going to fill that short yardage role, maybe get a, the annoying touchdown here and there because he's Frank Gore. And I think that's just going to be the season we see with the Jets is <sighs> disappointment. They across the board, just <clears throat> coaching staff offense and they have some pieces on defense, I guess, but generally speaking, they look like they're going to be one of the worst teams in the league, unfortunately. So yeah, I just don't have high hopes for them to score a lot of touchdowns. Frank Gore will, yeah, probably be more of a vulture than a asset. guy that can actually be, yeah, than an asset. Yeah, that's probably the best word you can say. So Trent Cannon, someone could probably block Lamichael Pirine. I forgot about Trent Cannon. 
Yeah, Trenton Cannon, he's probably going to... sorry. Yeah, yeah, he might block LaMichael P. Ryan a little bit from having value this year, but it's only a matter of time before they got to see what, what they've got with P. Ryan. So um, yep. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't probably pick up Cannon, Trenton, Trenton Cannon, but I would say that um, he's someone to just... You should know about him. And they actually signed Kenneth Dixon. They even signed Josh Adams. And they have a couple other guys that have been somewhat valuable role players at some point in their careers with Ken Dixon with the Ravens, Josh Adams with the Eagles. So, you know, there's a lot of guys behind Le'Veon Bell and I would assume Frank Gore's got a spot locked in. P Ryan probably does as a rookie, but in terms of having an actual role in the offense between Trent Cannon, Ken Dixon and Josh Adams, all three of those guys could realistically block P Ryan from, from moving up the depth chart. Yeah. Um, are you buying Brashard Pyramid at all, or are you more of a Chris Herndon kind of guy? I would probably – I'm not high on either of them, and that's probably just because I'm not high on the Jets across the board. Right. Um, I'm probably going to take Herndon because I think you can get him pretty good value. And 15th it's, round. It's hard to find a good tight end, and he's got some youth on his side. And Rashad Perriman's with, what, his, like, third or fourth team. And, you know, he's got that unbelievable speed, but he still hasn't quite put it all together. And so I'm not sure. I think he only signed a one- or two-year deal. So he's probably not even going to be there very long as it is. I just get the sense that it's just not going to go well. So, yeah, unfortunately, I mean, Rashad Perriman, maybe long-term if he signs with another team, but I'm just like, we, he's had the opportunity to do that, and he didn't do that. So I, yeah. I think that ship has sailed for me at this point. Yeah, I know you're going to kind of hear the biased opinion, or not biased opinion, but the public opinion. You're going to kind of hear, you know, he did blow up in Tampa Bay, but my biggest argument is who didn't? (laughs) Jameis Winston was at quarterback, and he did not care. He was like Ryan Fitzpatrick. Just go deep, dude. I got you covered. I think that was was... a lot to do with the success last year, and but now he's on an offense that is not going to play not even probably not even half the snaps that the Tampa Bay took on offense. Uh, let alone, I just I just don't see it for him. And even if he does have a role, I think he's going to carry what Denzel Mims, kind of that role. But as Perriman fades, I think Mims kind of takes steps in and takes that role over. I think this is kind of maybe more of not necessarily a veteran move, but, you know, he does have the mindset of the NFL. He does know how to go about his business. You know, this when you got these rookies coming in, this the NFL is so fast compared to college. And, you know, maybe Brashard Perriman was just maybe a – Maybe just a cheap buy just to get by until Tim's He's a placeholder. He's a placeholder for Mims. That's the word yeah. I was looking for. So, but with that being said, I think that pretty much wraps up the Jets. Uh, real quick about Chris Herndon, though. I took him in the 15th round, and that dude's a sleeper, man. He had 500 yards and four touchdowns as a rookie two years ago. The only thing that really messed him up and made him a nobody this past year was he was suspended to start the year, and his first year back he got hurt. There was a lot of hype around this guy, and as long as he's healthy and the Jets still are bad at football, I think he can, he has enough time to get open over the middle and maybe hinder those Jamison Crowder targets that I previously talked about. And I think because Crowder was injured, or Crowder, Herndon was injured, I think that had a lot to do with uh, Crowder's high target volume. So, but with that being said, I am team Chris Herndon. So I think he's 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 someone you can get pretty cheap as your second tight end that's worth a dart throw, and that you might even be able to get him as end. your yeah you might even be able to get him as a third tight end depending on 
you know, how your draft is going. And yeah, he's someone that I don't think he's, he's like some crazy high on. upside, but I think he's got, I think he's got a little, he's got value when the tight end position's pretty weak as it is across the board throughout the league. He's someone that, you know, has a few things working for him for sure. Yep. So with that being said, let's move on to New England or yeah, no, New England, right? the Bills. No. The Bills, right? The Bills. All righty. I'll hit you with the easy question. Who has more fantasy value? Devin Singletary or Zach Moss? I think it's Singletary. And it's Ooh, you're like wrong. The, I think it's kind of like this uh, Jordan Howard, Matt Breida situation, kind of like where you said you would take Breida because of the explosiveness. Okay. I kind of, I kind of feel the same way about Singletary, and I think that – Zach Moss was probably drafted to be more of a grinder and be the goal line short yardage back. But I don't think he's just going to exclusively gobble all that up. And they still have TJ Yeldon there. So he's also someone that isn't, you know, I'm not saying he's like some high upside option, but he could block Zach Moss from having that role too. Um, so I'm probably, and they're both super young, obviously. They're both drafting the third round a year apart. I just don't think that either of them are going to settle in as a high-end option. I think that Devin Singletary is probably high-end flex that is going to have some RB2 weeks. And I feel like Zach Moss is a consistent mid-flex that will have some low RB2 weeks. I'm taking Zach Moss because he's getting the Frank Gore role. And if there was anybody more annoying than Frank Gore last year, it's it's that role, you know, it's that vulture touchdown and I'm I'm gonna buy that for Zach Moss all day. You know, I, I know you don't really wanna buy or base your drafts off of touchdowns. It's kind of really the hardest thing to predict, but with this Bills offense, they are a run first team. I think this offense can support two running backs. Well, I guess you could say three running backs if you count Josh Allen. And he did have nine touchdowns, but I do expect that to regress just a little bit. And if that was the case, I don't know exactly how many touchdowns Frank Gore scored last year. But, I mean, if you see a little bit of a regret or a negative regression in rushing touchdowns for Josh Allen, I mean, you could see Zach Moss probably get eight to nine touchdowns this year. I mean, let alone he's he he did everything. He went to Utah, right? Yes. Okay. Just I, usually it makes him up him and Kishon Vaughn. They both. They both uh, were kind of next to each other. Yeah, he went to Vanderbilt. Yeah, I, I kind of compared them both to each other in uh, in my pre-drop rankings for my dynasty league. But uh, for the most part, I just I think Zach Moss is just one of those guys. He can carry the load. He he can be that receiving guy. He's not the flashiest, you know. I know I kind of said Lamical Piran was C minus everywhere. If that's the case, you know, Zach Moss is B B plus. But just him already having that goal line role just carries a little bit of value, especially for as late as he's going. And I'm in a PPR league, I guess I'm going to take Zach Moss there to Singletary. I don't really like buying running backs with a rushing quarterback, let alone this is a, a run first team. So I think a lot of these targets are going to be downfield. Let's get the ball downfield, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, boom, hit Stephon Diggs and, I just don't think Singletary is going to have the passing volume that we want him to have versus Zach Moss. I think he could probably catch three catches, 23 yards, and just be fine and maybe get that rushing touchdown. And, hey, at the end of the week, you had Zach Moss outscore Singletary, and you took him two rounds later. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think that there's a, a chance that Moss ends up being the more valuable guy. If he ends up scoring most of the touchdowns, that's going to end up making a big difference for sure, too. I just don't know. Like, I'm, I'm a little curious to see how the passing role in for the running they're backs set for out. down. They're set for downfield attack is what this offense is set up for. They got but Josh Stephon Allen. Did. Josh Allen is going to steal some touchdowns from Zach Moss too, which is yeah. why I think it yeah. concerns me because he gets. Oh, a I lot thought you were talking about the passing route. My bad. No, well, I mean, well, I mean, I mentioned like the the like just the running backs aren't probably going to catch a lot of passes in general. So who's playing on third downs? Who's playing? I think that might be where T.J. Yeldon actually comes in. Yeah. But like one of the reasons why I have some concerns with with Zach Moss compared to Devin Singletary is I feel like if Zach Moss is the goal line running back and he's he got he's got that upside, but he's also kind of t- touchdown dependent. And who's taking the touchdowns away from him? It's probably not Singletary. It's probably Josh Allen. Yeah. And and I guess like maybe that might be a good segue into Josh Allen for a second. And I think that he's. I mean, he's like the ultimate, like, live by the sword, die by the sword kind of guy. Like, he's got this unbelievable ceiling, and he's got a high floor because he runs it a lot, but he's just going to have weeks where he just leaves you wanting more. And I think from a dynasty perspective, it's, like, I I don't know how he's going to shake out long-term. I know it's really easy to look at his stats and be like, well, he did this and he did that, and yes, but – that doesn't mean that he becomes a stable starting quarterback in the Superflex league, you know, or, you know, two quarterback league, whatever you might be playing in. And so if it's a one quarterback league, you know, even like there's a chance that in two or three years from now, the bills could be going after another QB if Josh Allen starts to stink it up. But I'll say that his upside though, because he runs so much at the goal line and just runs so much in general and, the offense is kind of built to his strengths and they went and got Stefan Diggs and they still have John Brown, who is one of my favorite underrated guys to draft. Uh, I've got some faith in, got some faith in Dawson Knox to develop. We'll see. I'm not like the biggest fan, but I do have some faith and they don't have like another quarterback. That's just pushing him too hard. You know, the Matt Barkley's his backup quarterback. They drafted Jake Fromm in the fifth round this year. So, He's got some upside and some long-term value, like, for two, three years. But I don't know. Again, live by the sword, die by the sword. He's going to have some clunker passing games. Oh, and if you're just relying on him as a runner, well, then, like, you got to remember you're, he's he's your quarterback. You can't rely on him strictly as a runner. Yep. I mean, I owned him last year, and he was – I couldn't watch him on Sunday. He was sloppy, dude. It was so sloppy to watch him play, but – he would still end up putting up, you know, that 20, 22. You know, it wasn't the real flashy numbers. It was just just consistency just because of his rushing floor. And he may have been saved by a rushing touchdown or, hey, you know, he didn't have the rushing outside, but, hey, he had a deep touchdown to John Brown. Yeah, you got that extra three-point bonus or whatever your league gives for a long touchdown or even if your league does it. But, Man, he's just sloppy, and that he's not—he's he, not typically what I like to draft in fantasy football. Is I just don't like the inconsistency. The, yeah, the the ceiling is there, and it's weak winning, but man, his floor when he stinkers, dude, he is—it's not Roethlisberger bad, but there was weeks I had to change the channel. It was—it was pretty bad, and then even his career high in passing yards is only two hundred sixty-six passing yards, so. Really, how how high is that passing ceiling? Yeah, they got Stephon Diggs, but if you hear me reference Tyreek Hill, you know, he's kind of boom or bust. Well, Stephon Diggs is like Tyreek Hill light. 
I mean, it's – I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing it. A lot of people are calling Josh Allen, you know, this, this year's MVP. Yeah, he can be this Cam Newton guy, if you will. But even then, he only has six multi-passing touchdown games in his career. I mean, I, I just don't see – I, I get the excitement, but I, I can't wrap my head around drafting him early. I can't do it. Yeah, he's someone that um, I sold him in your dynasty league, and I got a pretty decent haul for him. And you got you got uh, Dalvin Cook out of it. Yeah, yeah. This is super flex league, by the way. This is super flex league. Yeah, and so he's he's got that, like you said, league winning upside. But whew, man, just he's just sometimes hard to the, the 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 thing that sticks out to me in my mind. When anything is, I'm like imagining the the last playoff game that they played in. And oh my! Tr- uh, <laughs> it was like making me sad. I was screaming at the top of my lungs, like, "Dude, you're trying to give this game away. What are you doing?" It was almost like the Mark Sanchez uh, butt fumble game. Oh uh, my! I just like it, and and it just really shows you that, like, at the end of the day, he is still a developing quarterback. Like at the end of the day, they they are in the playoffs, and he's. He's got like some unbelievable talent, but he is not really connecting all the dots on the field just yet. And I, I'm not convinced that he's going to really get to that point where he's going to be some elite passer. I think it's going to rely too much on his running ability. And that is usually, unless you're like the Ravens and you build your whole offense or you're the Cardinals, you build your whole offense around a running quarterback like that. I don't know. It's I just get the, I have concerns about the Bills' long-term passing game. I, I now I'll say this: I do th- I do like Stephon Diggs, and I still and I do like John Brown. I think Diggs is probably going to get a little bit overdrafted just because of his name. Yep. Like, he's still yes, someone he that I I do think that could easily go for twelve hundred yards and ten touchdowns. I think that Josh Allen, you know, just to bring it back to him, just just to clarify, I guess he might have good fantasy numbers, but. In real life, he may not have a, a starting job if he turns the ball over too much or something. Like, look what happened to Jameis Winston, right? You know what I mean? Yep. So, so I think like it's a different. It's not going to be the same reasons Jameis Winston threw for five thousand yards. Josh Allen's not going to do that. But no. in the sense of like, throw okay, for two seventy. But in the fact, in the sense that like Jameis Winston turned the ball over too much, Josh Allen might turn the ball over too much. You know, so I still think he, like the passing game's in good shape. I have probably like a little bit of concern with the tight end Dotson Knox because he's still young and developing and they did sign Tyler Croft last year. He got banged up. Um, I think he broke his foot right at the beginning of the year. So he didn't really get into a groove, but he might steal some snaps from, from Knox. But I do like Diggs. I do like John Brown. I think I like Cole Beasley more in real life than I do like as like a fantasy guy. I think he's kind of one of those, who are you de- describing earlier? Like Jamison Crowder, like just like this, he's going to have like eight catches for like 40 yards, you know? Yep. And so he's worth, he's rosterable obviously. And there's in bi-week crunches that might come into handy and he might have, he might have some, you know, eight catches for 80 yards and two touchdowns. That's, that's a good week. He might have that from time to time, but it's going to be hard to predict and it's not going to be very often, but uh, overall the bills, I think their defense is so good. And I think that they play, the, the style of offense they play is they want to run the ball first, but yep. take their chances downfield after they've established the run. Yep. And that's where Diggs and Brown, I think their skill set fits that perfectly. And so I do think that they're both going to be pretty solid. Although 
I have some long-term concerns about the Bills' offense in general based off of Josh Allen's ability to develop. Yeah. Diggs is – just real quick on Diggs. Um, he's kind of someone I'm just going to let be someone else's problem. I mean, like you said, his draft capital is a little too rich for me. I mean, you said it was a little rich for you. So, um, I mean, he's, he got drafted in the fifth round of your league, and I actually took Mark Andrews over him. Um, some other guys that's being drafted around him is Robert Woods, uh, Hollywood Brown, Adam Thielen, DJ Chark. And this is in a dynasty league. Uh, Tyler Lockett is someone I would take over Stephon Diggs, but just his value in the fifth round is – it's not that I don't don't want him. It's just I don't like buying him in the fifth round. I mean, there's, there's value to be found elsewhere. Um, Dawson Knox is someone who is interesting, especially in tight end premium leagues. But even for your home leagues, if you like not drafting the tight end, you like putting the tight end position, which is what a lot of people tend to do, Dawson Knox kind of has some interesting upside. You did elaborate on him a little bit, but I kind of wanted to hit him one more time and highlight him that uh, you might he'll he'll be in your your waiver wire in your traditional home league. You know, you play in your mom and pop league or with just your homies or whatever. He'll most likely be in your your waiver wire, and he's someone to keep an eye on and pick up, especially if Josh Allen does have those blow up weeks. He could see some goal line targets. So let's move on down to New England, though. I think yeah, it's I think we your turn to hit me with the question, bills. right? Yeah, I think we kind of went over the Bills pretty well. Yeah, so um, time to move on to the Patriots, which they're a team in transition big time. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, moving on from Brady and signing Cam Newton, it's going to be a, a much different offense. Um, who do you think the running back to own is in Damian Harris? England? Damian Harris. Um, I didn't. Even, I didn't even. I didn't even finish my sentence there. <laughs> well, you said who's the running back to own in New no, England? No, no, I'm, but I'm saying, I'm saying you're clearly confident. So, like, explain, elaborate. Why is it? Oh yeah, Harris? dude, Sony Michelle. I think he's going to start the year on the pup list. Um, you know, he's kind of coming back. What is it? The knee, knee clean up knee surgery he had. Uh, and he, it, if yeah, anybody's not, if anybody's on the Todd Gurley train of like not him, his knee not being, I cannot talk tonight for the life of me, but not confident with his knee or anything like that. Like Sonny Michelle falls in the same category. He is someone who did carry the ball 20 plus times down the stretch. And the Patriots did rely on him pretty heavily. I mean, they were giving this guy 20 yards down the stretch when they were fighting for the number one seed. I mean, it says a lot about how the team wants to be a run first. Yeah. James White's there, but man, if Sonny Michelle misses time, Damian Harris, he's going to be a guy that's going to pick up those 20 carries right away. Um, it's not going to be the pretty 20 carries. It's not going to be this league winning, but you're getting Damian Harris late. That's a steal, man. I mean, I think even if Sony Michelle is healthy, he was still his efficiency last year. It's just, just your typical 20 for 70, 20 for 80. And really the touchdowns helped him. He offers no passing upside whatsoever. And neither does Damian Williams. It's, it's kind of more James White's role, but I think as far as, Total touches, I'm going to say Damian Harris. I would take him in a standard lead. And this is if Sonny Michelle misses time. You know, if Sonny Michelle doesn't miss, miss time, it's got to be Sonny Michelle with Damian Harris eventually taking some of those carries away. I don't think Sonny Michelle is going to keep this job. Those knees just scare the crap out of me, man. But PPR, though, you got to have James White. I don't care what anybody says. Full PPR, James White. Damian Harris, James White, and half PPR, flip a coin. But 
typically I like to take the guy that's getting drafted later. So I guess I would have to say Damian Harrison, half PPR. I think that they are kind of doing what the Titans did with Derrick Henry to a degree of just, they took a big running back out of Alabama, let him get used to the league, get his feet underneath him. You know, they didn't, they barely used them last year. They've got a, a stable of running backs. There was not a pressing need to get him on the field, but it also keeps him fresh for the duration of his rookie contract. And I think that after transitioning away from Tom Brady and going with Cam Newton and, just looking, just, you know, even look at it and kill Harry. He's a big wide receiver on the boundary that can probably block pretty well. Um, I think that we're going to see a lot more Damian Harrison we saw last year for sure. And I agree with the Sony Michelle knee concerns. Just, man, he's had a lot of knee. He's got more knee concerns than Todd Gurley as far as, uh, or as far as I'm concerned. It's pretty close. And it's just ironic that they both went to University of Georgia, but um, I think Burkhead still has a bit of a role there. He's going to be enough to steal some touches, and James White is still the passing down back, and he's going to catch a lot of passes, I think, this year. But Damian Harris, for long-term purposes, for sure. For this year, you might need to be patient for the first half of the season, first quarter of the season maybe. But I do think Damian Harris ends up working his way. I mean, I think like – Cam Newton being the starting quarterback is going to be really helpful. And he's going to steal some goal line carries and short yardage carries and stuff too. But just having Cam Newton as your starting quarterback probably means that you are going to be running the ball more in general across the board. And what better running back to pair with a 260 pound quarterback than a big running back like Damian Harris, where you've just got two hammers that are just coming at you and they can keep Harris fresh because of all the other running backs they've got. And they can keep the other running backs fresh because of Harris. So they're in this – I think that they're going to be in, in a position to score quite a bit, and I think that Cam is going to get his goal line red zone touchdowns too, but someone else is going to get some too, and I expect that to be Damian Harris. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely I'm definitely excited about him this year. I think he's, he's probably not going to catch the ball so much, so if you're full PPR and even in half PPR, you got to, like, know that he could have some clunker games if they don't have a good offensive day that day. That's going to happen. But he's going to have some – I think I was going to make this point earlier. I think from a couple of years ago, like Garrett Blunt wasn't even the Patriots like starting running back, and I believe he had like 1,100 yards and led the league in touchdowns with like 18. He had like 18 touchdowns. That's exactly yeah. what I think of with Damian and, Harris. And, and it's like he doesn't need to catch the ball. He's going to score 18 touchdowns this year. Like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's that's why I said, you know, I like I like Damian Harris more in half PPR and standard, and you know, not in that full PPR format. So, but yeah, man, I I, th- I don't think the world of Damian Harris. I mean, but he could be that guy that does offer flex <coughs> appeal if he does have that role to himself. Yeah, what do you think of the receivers there? I like Nikhil Harry. The, uh, ooh, let me sc- scroll down. Sorry, Julian Edelman. He's gonna. I, I hate referencing to other people, but I just think of Jamison Crowder now that I think of Julian Edelman. Um, this is going to be a run first team. I think I think you can use I think Belichick's going to use that RPO maybe. I mean they have they drafted two tight ends. They can use that two tight end set maybe for his blockers. And you got James Y. You got Damian Harris. You got uh, Cam Newton. And I think these wide receivers are. 
not going to give you the consistent fantasy weeks that you want. Julian Edelman may be giving you – he's going to have the double-digit targets for sure every week, but I'm just not excited excited about the volume. I'm not excited about the touchdowns. I think Nikhil Harry is going to kind of be that guy that takes all the touchdowns. He is 6'5". He makes some crazy, crazy, crazy catches. If you go back and look what he did with Arizona State, all you got to do is type in Nikhil Harry Arizona State touchdown. and Or it was Arizona State, yeah? Or am I mixing uh, up with Nikhil Harry? Or Nikhil no, Harry I, I believe, and yours and Brandy and Brandon Ayuk. Yeah. Um, I believe that um and Kill Harry also went to Arizona State. It was Arizona uh, State. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah. All right. I'm just double checking myself. I don't want to sound like too big of a douche. <laughs> but no, uh yeah, all you gotta do is type it in and he just makes this crazy one handed catch where his back is completely parallel to the ground, dude. It's it's nuts, man. Like I'm, I'm taking that, you know, he's going to be that big, huge red zone target for Cam Newton if he's not running the ball in first, but I'm definitely going to buy Nikhil Harry. He takes another step forward this year. One of his biggest, biggest, biggest things was his footwork getting off the line. And I got to say, like, every time I see him on social media, it's just him working on his footwork, working out, working out, working out, always footwork, always footwork. And I think in one of those videos, he actually, actually makes a notion toward it. Or not a notion, but he has a little bubble on there with some text saying, you know, working on my footwork or whatever. And that's literally what he's been doing this whole offseason. Like, this guy's committed. And, you know, if if he can do that, you know, I see someone like Stephon Diggs, who's always, who's a workout freak, man. And, you know, I can see a little bit of Stephon Diggs in the kill here this year. That is high praise. I think that they're I'm not saying he's Stephon Diggs, but yeah, I'm yeah. just saying you can see the typical fantasy stat line. I see. I think that one of the receivers that it's easy to forget about is Muhammad Sanu. Like the Patriots got, gave up a second, a second round, round pick, pick to give yeah. up to give up this guy, and I think he was pretty much immediately hurt as soon as he got there. I think it was an ankle injury, if I'm remembering correctly. So uh, he never really got going, even when he was quote unquote healthy. He wasn't really fully healthy, and so. I would expect that they are going to get him involved in the receiving game. I do like Edelman a little bit. At the end of the day, I don't really see a lot of reliable targets that, you know. No. Like, I don't see a lot of veteran receivers or tight ends or anything like that that are going to be able to to haul passes in. So I think Edelman, even though he's not really known for being like some big red zone guy, just because of comfortability, I think that there's a chance that he's got some – red zone chops at him more than a lot of other slot receivers do. But I would still temper my expectations. He's also a lot older, has a history of foot injuries and I think shoulder injuries and maybe knee injury. So he's uh, in terms of dynasties towards the end of the line. But sort of like Sanu a little bit. They signed Marquise Lee. I have no idea. He's been so injured his whole career. He's a dart throw uh, Jacoby Myers was kind of playing well last year as a college free agent. And he's got some upside, but I do think in kill Harry is like, they, they took this guy in the first round last year for a reason. I do think that he's probably the, the receiver to own there. I just, uh, I just think that they're going to have a very spread the wealth kind of offense. So yep. I don't have high hopes for him this year. They drafted two tight ends in the third round this year, Devin Asiasi and, Dalton Keene and they still have Matt Lacoste from last year and you know the, the Patriots are also very active around the trade deadline too um, or there's the are. cut deadline I should say like when you trim your roster to 53 so they could claim a guy off waivers they can make a last minute trade it wouldn't see me 
it wouldn't surprise me to see them add to this re- group of receivers and tight ends before it's all said and done. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not – typically, though, like, the Patriots' offense as a whole is something I let everybody else deal with. You never really know the running back situation. You know, it's never really clear. The wide receivers have always been hit and miss. Tom Brady's kind of been more of that game manager than he has been a fantasy asset. He's back, you know – as he's gotten older the past few years and you enter Cam Newton in a quarterback and I'm not buying it. New team. Sorry. You know, I, I know I referenced that a lot, but it's until I see something until camp starts, that's just my mindset toward all of this. And that, that should be your mindset too. You know, it's, you don't really want to take a, a quarterback to lead your team to, that's never played with Belichick before. You know, never even seen a snap, you know, and from what I understand, the lingo is really, really hard to get a, get a handle on. And, you know, that I don't know if that's going to hinder a guy. You know, Cam Newton was the first overall pick, but I don't know, man. He's getting a little bit older. He played really bad. He's, what was it? His pat the end of 2018 and even early last year is just it was really, really, really bad and hard to watch. And I know a lot to do, had to do with it. He was trying to play through that foot injury, but I don't know if. Maybe now that he's healthy, we get the old Cam Newton back, but I need to start seeing something in camp. But just my first take on him in New England is, yeah, it's exciting, but how many times have we been excited about New England and we just get average Joe fantasy points? You know, it's it's not hurting us. It's not by any means, but it's, it's nothing that you get excited and you want to te- build your team around. It's just kind of more of a puzzle piece to help you win, if you will. I think that Cam Newton has league-winning upside in that Patriots offense. I he think does. they are going to run some old-school power formations. They are going to grind people down the field, not with finesse, but just through brute strength. I think they are going to take a page out of the Ravens playbook from last year. That and they're going to do something. Well, it's just the idea of loading up with a bunch of big tight ends and a fullback and – and just like going a bunch of big bodies against a bunch of big bodies. And Cam Newton is about as big of a quarterback as you're going to get in this league. And so he's got some power. He's got some of that ability. And especially you get into the goal line or the red zone and short yardage, third and short, fourth and short. Cam Newton's an X factor in those situations. So the D, you know, the defense is going to play good. You would expect the offensive line to play good even if they don't have a, a, the, a bunch of pro bowlers at running back and receiver, I think that <clears throat> Cam Newton will keep that offense on schedule and keep them scoring enough to definitely get back into the playoffs. And I think that just, I'm, I'm really, really, really excited to see what Josh McDaniels cooks up because he's known for doing really good just week to week changing the offense. And no, this is going to sound like I'm sliding Tom Brady here, but, in terms of just pure athletic talent, I'm going to go ahead and say that Cam Newton's got more of it than Tom Brady does. You make a good Tom case Brady. there. And so I think that like the the Patriots are really going to be able to build around this. He's not just a got more talent than Tom Brady. Cam Newton's kind of one of a kind. Like you know, Josh Allen is a good physical comparison to him in terms of measurables and. Uh, speed and all that, but Josh Allen has never been the passer that Cam Newton has been going back to college. So, like, they have a rare talent to work with, and you've got a Hall of Fame coaching staff. 
I'm very fascinated to see how that's going to shake out this year. Yeah, I agree. Overall, though, I mean, it's I, I can see the league winning upside with Cam Newton, but you know me, I like to play it safe in fantasy and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, well, Cam as Bruce Newton, Arians would say, as Bruce Arians would say, no risk it, no biscuit. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. I, I like them more in super flex leagues. Uh, maybe that streaming quarterback, or you know, maybe your yeah, your quarterback too, if you will. But I mean. In a one quarterback league, I think he's someone you do stream. I mean, I do, I do stream in one quarterback leagues. Like I, I used Josh Allen last year, like that, and you know maybe I can see Cam Newton kind of having those Josh Allen weeks. And there's been weeks where Cam, when Cam Newton's bad, Cam Newton's bad. But when Cam Newton's good, he wins you your week. And I just, I kind of see a lot of uh, Josh Allen with them this year, and maybe, maybe in terms of inconsistencies. So, I mean. Again, I'm just – I'm not quite on the Cam Newton train yet. I mean, and that's all going to change. You know, my opinion is going to change as camp goes on and all that good stuff. Players are starting to report. Um, we're starting to have players opt out and all that good stuff. But as we come – as we go into the coming weeks, I'm going to have a little bit clearer picture on how he's picking up the offense. And, you know, yeah, I think – I guess you can say he's on that fringe quarterback – fringe quarterback one. You know, maybe quarterback 13 on the year, but – I think it's just rushing upside will kind of keep them there. But right on. It pretty right much wraps up all, all four teams, yeah. Unless they added a 15 that I don't know about, that'd be great. Uh, no, I think we're all done with the AFC East. So I would say that the next time that we record, we're going to do the NFC East. So Cowboys, Giants, Redskins. Ooh, well, actually, I take it back. Not the Redskins, division. the Washington football team. And that's a good division. So that will be fun. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be interesting. Definitely. But with all that being said, thank you everybody for listening to another edition of the RNK Fantasy Sports Podcast. Uh, we actually are on Twitter. Me and Casey have been talking about upping our game on the on the Twitter account. And uh, so definitely do give us a follow on there. I am at FF underscore Redman. Casey, you are Casey Avalon. I think Avila. I'm Casey Avalon 91, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, but with all that being said, we are getting more subscribers. We are still getting feedback, which is really, really good. Uh, we do appreciate anything and everything you guys are putting out toward us. Thank you for the listens. Um, yeah. I mean, with all that being said, peace out. All right. See you guys later.